Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning, everybody. I am truly getting a spiritual workout these days. (laughs) Who needs to go to the gym? My name is Rick Thompson. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those who are joining us online. Um, I want, at the end of the service, we're going to be uh, showing, remind me if I forget, but our, 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 one of our sister uh, missions that we support in India, just sent uh, in some photos of many baptisms that, t- that has taken place. So we want to do a shout out to Pastor Martin, his beautiful wife, Miss Linda's family. Uh, Cheeky and Nick, Nikki, they're watching right now from India, and we'll be showing those pictures at the end of the service. Again, if you're watching from anywhere, um, do us a favor and say hello in the in the uh, in the chat. Tell us where you're watching from, uh, and so that we can know that you're you're tuning in this morning. We are in a series that we are, have entitled "Twisted Scripture." Twisted Scripture. And it's a takeoff from that, uh, that group that calls themselves Twisted Sister. You've, you've seen them before, right? That cross-dressing band of the 80s. And the questions that we're asking and answering this morning and in this series is, is Satan willing to twist scriptures uh, for his own ends? And we know the answer is true because he did it with Jesus. And if he would do it with Jesus, he did it in, with Jesus in Luke chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4. If he did it with Jesus... You know, Jesus said, if they'll persecute me, if they'll target me, they'll target you as well. Any believers in the house? Come on, somebody. That's why it's important for us to know. And at the same time, we're answering the question, do all religions lead to God? And are they all equal, just different? So the quick answer to those three questions is, yes, Satan will. No, all religions don't lead to God. And, and no, they're not equal, just different. No, they're not equal, just different. Yes, Satan and his followers are willing to twist the scriptures for his own benefits, um, and, and, and he will do that continuously. Now, all the religions can't be right, right? Because if you, when you put them side by side, if you put them, which is what we're attempting to do during this series, you put them side by side with what the Word of God teaches, they lead to a different place. They lead to a different conclusion, now, a reminder of what Jesus said on this subject when he warned of the, in the, of the coming future in Matthew chapter 24. This is what he says. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I'm the Messiah and will do what? Will deceive many. You drop down to verse 11. He says, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. A false prophet is somebody who stands up and says, God gave me a message for you. And so the Bible says, Jesus says, in the last days, even during his time it was an issue, there will be people who will stand up, say, God has given me a message, and you must follow what, what, what the message is. Now, talking about the last days, we learned last week, how does Satan accomplish these deceptions? By deceiving many, it says. An easy way is, again, to simply just take the word of God and twist it just a little bit. Said so in the Bible study, and if, if you're not in the life groups or the Bible studies, there's still time to jump in and join them. But I said in the Bible studies that, uh, you know, they say that arsenic is 95% harmless, but 5%, that 5% will kill you. So it doesn't take much to take you off of where the truth of the matter should be. Now, we saw it with the, with the last week with the JWs. This week we're going to be looking at the, the Mormons. Um, the question is, you know, why look at this stuff at all? Well, the, the answer to that is if you, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. If you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. And for the people who are w- not willing to make a stand in this world, the world offers a smorgasbord of different faiths. The video said there's over 4,000 of them. 4,000 systems and ideologies out there, aside from the three major ones, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, you have Hinduism, Scientology, New Age beliefs with with Eckhart Tolle. We're going to tackle him. 
Basically, he says all, all is God and God is all. You've got astrology and horoscopes. You've got Freemasonry and Kabbalahism. You've got Wicca and Santeria. Uh, you've got spiritualism and, and, and straight out Satanism. A, a, a lot of deceptions for people to choose from. Now, probably among the fastest growing, again, uh, in, in the area of cults is uh, the, the JWs, which we talked about last week, and the Mormons. Now, to remind you what Paul thought about people who would take the, the, the simple grace of the gospel and change it, this is what he said. Second Corinthians 11, 3 through 4. He said, but I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches to, to a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. Drop down to verse 12, and he says, and I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing in order to cut the ground from under those who want an opportunity to be considered equal with us in the things they boast about. Paul didn't think all religions led to the same place. He didn't even think they were all equal. He goes on to say, for such men are false prophets, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. So Paul is pointing out a problem in the church. He says Satan and his followers are targeting believers. People who think just because they said a prayer or signed a, a covenant agreement at a particular church, that Satan says, oh, they're part of that church now, I'm going to stop messing with them. I'm going to leave them alone. You should have been given an outline when you came in. Uh, online, you can find it digitally. But there are three things that Satan will try after you become a Christian or after you say that prayer or after you've made a decision to follow Jesus. Number one, he'll try to get you to fall back into foolishness. We call that backsliding. He, he's been doing it forever. We saw it with the children of Israel. When God miraculously delivered them out of uh, the bondage of Egypt, and because things weren't going exactly the way they thought it should go, some of them tried to turn on Moses and said, we want to head back. <laughs> we want to go back into bondage. Well, Satan will try to tempt you to fall back into your old way of doing things. The, the, uh, if you were... You know, having issues with women, if you were, you know, doing foolish things with, with drugs, he will always try to tempt you to go back. The second thing he'll do, he, he, if, if that doesn't work, he'll send some new temptation your way. And I've seen that over and over again, when, particularly with the young people. They finally get saved. They get on fire for Jesus. They start following after him. And then all of a sudden, where they couldn't get a date before, all of a sudden, the woman of their dream shows up. Or the man of their dreams. Pastor Rick, you've got to see this person. He, he's, he, he, he's six foot, he's tall, dark, and handsome. He's, he's got all this. Uh, does he love Jesus? Uh, well, but, but I'm working on him. Doing missionary evangelism in that area. And more often than not, rather than you pulling them in, he was a he or she was a plant sent to pull you out. Can I get a witness in there? Anybody listening to me? Now, if that doesn't work, or, or the latest shiny object doesn't work, what he'll do is he'll try to get you involved in a cult. You like religion? <laughs> I'm going to give you a, as much religion as you can possibly handle. And he'll push you out of the grace of God into some works-based religion so that at some point you, that yoke of bondage will go on you and you start to realize you can't do this. There's some religions that have you losing your salvation every time you have a bad thought. They're constantly running to the altar trying to get saved over and over again because in their religion, even thoughts... <laughs> They have shifted from grace into a works-based religion. I don't have a problem with the ones that they teach that nonsense. 
I don't have a problem with the ones who are constantly at the altar, although they, they don't have any assurance of their salvation. I have a problem with the ones, the leaders, who think they don't ever mess up. And they don't come running. If that's what you're teaching, you, everyone should be at the altar every week. Because we all need God's grace every single day. Amen? Amen. Now, the Mormons, with their 12 million strong, like the JWs, they will target unbelievers and nominal Christians in the church for their converts. Especially the ones that don't have a solid faith. You've seen them. They're missionaries. The, the, the dudes on the bicycles and the ties. Riding around in 90-degree weather, God bless them. They're dedicated. But they also have a wholesome family message. They're, they're sincere. But what did I say last week? It's possibly sincere and sincerely wrong. This is what, again, the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 1.6. He says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which he says is no, really no gospel at all. Because the gospel is good news, and it says, by grace that we've been saved through faith and this not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works. But in these religions, it's not just grace, it's grace and works. That's not good news. How much work do you need to do? Well, they will give you a list, and we're going to go over the list of the Mormon church this morning. He says, a different gospel is no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion or trying to pervert the gospel of, of Christ. Paul, again, is concerned that there are people targeting church folks and pulling many of them off from the purity of the gospel of Christ. Now, concerning false teachers, this is Peter weighed in on this too. The apostle Peter, listen to what he said in 2 Peter chapter 2. He says, but there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach their destructive heresies about God and even turn against their master who bought them. Theirs will be a swift and terrible end. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. Tuck that in your mind somewhere. We're going to jump back at that. And because of them, Christ in his true way will be slandered. In their greed, they will make up clever lies to, hold, to get hold of your money. But God condemned them long ago, and their destruction is on the way. For God did not spare even the angels when they sinned. He threw them into hell in gloomy caves and darkness until the judgment day. Wait, I thought, I thought, there was, I thought the JW said there wasn't anyone going to hell. Well, according to this, according to Peter, he thinks that there are people going. And God did not spare the ancient world except for Noah and his family of seven. Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment. And then God destroyed the whole world of ungodly people with a vast flood. And later he turned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into heaps of ashes and swept them off the face of the earth. He made them an example of what will happen to ungodly people. Pastor Rick, that's Old Testament. No, I'm reading from the New Testament. These are the Gospels. <laughs> this, is, this is in the New Testament. He goes on to say, they commit adultery and their eye, uh, with their eyes and their lust is never satisfied. They make a game of luring unstable people into sin. They train themselves to be greedy. They are doomed and cursed. They've wandered off the right road and followed the way of Balaam, son of Beor, who loved to earn money by doing wrong. But Balaam was stopped from his mad course when his donkey, his donkey, <laughs> rebuked him with a human voice. Go back and read that story when you get a chance. These people, he says, are useless as, they are as useless as dried up springs of water as of cloud, uh, or as clouds blown away by the wind. Why? They promise much, but they deliver what? They promise much, but they deliver nothing. I was talking to someone we'll get on Islam at some point. But we're not talking about Islam, but side note. They have these pillars, uh, how, you get to, how you get saved. But there's no assurance afterwards. If you ask an average Islam person, if you do everything, does this mean you're going to be saved? No, only Allah knows. Only Allah knows. And the only way 
that they have assurance in their religion is if they practice jihad. You remember what jihad is? You remember what that is? When they blow themselves up and kill somebody else in the cause, they sacrifice themselves. And then they go from, if you do that, you go right to paradise and you get 70 virgins. There's going to be some kind of party in heaven with 70 virgins. I don't know what the women get, but that's what the men are supposed to get. But I'm talking about, and can you imagine if you blow yourself up and you blow up other people and you wind up in hell because your religion taught you nonsense, promising everything and delivered nothing? Come on, somebody. That's why it's important. Don't check your brain at the door. What are they saying? And we're going to look at what the Mormons are saying. In fact, Jesus himself accused Pharisees, the Pharisees of his day, of being blind, leading the blind. So again, no, all religions are not equal, and they don't all lead to the same place. Let's look at the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. A very short video right here. Sum it up. Mormonism teaches that God used to be a man on another world, and that he became a god by following the laws and ordinances of his god on his home world. He brought his wife to this world, a woman he had married on the other world. She is essentially a goddess. In his present god state, he rules our world. He has a body of flesh and bones. Now, since he and his wife are both exalted persons, they each possess physical bodies. In their exalted states as deities, they produce spirit children that grow and mature in the spiritual realm. The first spirit born was Jesus. Afterwards, Lucifer was born along with the rest of us. So Mormonism teaches that we all pre-existed in the spirit realm, having been produced from the union of God and his goddess wife. Therefore, we all existed in spirit bodies before coming down and entering the physical bodies when we were born as babies here on earth. Now, during this compression into the infant state, the memories of our pre-existence is veiled or is lost. God the Father, who is called Elohim, was concerned for the future salvation of the people on earth. In the heavenly realm, the Father had a plan for the salvation of the world. Jesus endorsed the Father's plan. Lucifer, however, did not. Lucifer became jealous and rebelled. And in his rebellion, he convinced a large portion of the spirits existing in heaven to side with him and oppose God. God being more powerful than they, he cursed these rebellious spirits to become demons. They can never be born in human bodies. Now, the remaining spirits sided with God since they chose the better way. When it comes time for them to be born on earth, they have the privilege of being born in races and locations that are relative to their condition and choices made in the spirit realm. In the Mormon plan of salvation, there needed to be a savior, Jesus. But Jesus was a spirit in heaven. For him to be born on earth, Brigham Young, the second prophet of the Mormon church, said that instead of letting any other man do it, God the Father did it with Mary. He said that the birth of our Savior was as natural as the birth of our parents. Essentially, what this means is that Brigham Young taught that God the Father came down and had relations with Mary, his spirit daughter, to produce the body of Jesus. Now, though many Mormons will not entertain such incestuous thoughts about God and Mary, this is what Brigham Young taught, and as far as we know, this has not been denied by the Mormon church. Nevertheless, Jesus was born, got married, and had children. He died on the cross and paid for sins, but not on the cross only. According to Mormonism, the atonement of Christ was not only on the cross. It began in the Garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross. In Mormonism, men and women have the potential of becoming gods. President Lorenzo Snow said, As God was, man is. As God is, man may become. In order to reach this exalted state of Godhead, a person must first become a good Mormon, pay a full 10% tithe to the Mormon church, follow various laws and ordinances of the church, and be found worthy. At this point, they receive a temple recommend, whereupon the Mormon is allowed to enter their sacred temple in order to go through a set of secret rituals, baptism for the dead, celestial marriage, and various oaths of secrecy and commitment. Additionally, four secret handshakes are taught, so the believing Mormon, upon entering the third level of the Mormon heaven, can shake hands with God in a certain pattern. This celestial ritual is for the purpose of permitting entrance into the highest level of heaven.
Now, for those who achieve the highest of heaven, exaltation to Godhead awaits them. Then he or she will be permitted to have his or her own planet and be the god of his own world, and the Mormon system will be expanded to other planets. Pretty fanciful, huh? You can't make this stuff up. <laughs> and so for the next few moments, he summarized it in four and a half minutes. Let me just take the next few moments to point out some highlights of their faith. They say, I want you to write this down, that the Christian church, just like the JWs, is apostate. That means they are right and everybody else have fallen away from the faith. Even the JWs, they have fallen away from the faith because they're the only ones that are correct. And they got this from this fellow by the name of Joseph Smith. He's the founder and believed prophet. Um, and he stated that God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, appeared to him in the spring of 1820. And, and he asked which is the true Christian faith to follow at the time. And they said, Jesus and His Son so, told them, None of them are. All the churches were wrong, and that all their creeds, statements of belief uh, uh, were an abomination. And of course, God would anoint him as the true prophet and set up the true church. And so that's how they got started. Of course, he would be the leader of the Latter-day Saints, and, and all other churches are just flat-out wrong. So if all other churches are apostate and the, and, and the Bible that they're using can't be right either, right? So what do they have to do? They said, this is your first fill-in, the Bible is the word of God as far as it's translated correctly. The Bible is the word of God as far as it's translated correctly. You find that in the LDS 8th article of faith. So, so if there's a part of, of the Bible that you don't like, what do you say? That's not a good translation. And in the absence of reliable scriptures, what, did they, what do they do? You guessed it, they write their own scriptures. Thus, the Book of Mormon is, is born, a translation of ancient documents that gives an account of three people groups who they say migrated to the American, Americas from the Middle East that, that uh, in, uh, arriving around 589 B.C., before Christ, so this book is predicting that these groups arrived in this country in 589 B.C., one of which traced their uh, lineage to the Semitic Jews and their American Indians who are supposed to be related to the Semitic Jews. Um, a claim that they could make in the 1800s, but, <laughs> and people believed it, but something happened over the years that kind of threw a little monkey wrench into that little theory. You know what that is? DNA. Someone said it. Say it again. DNA. DNA. You see, Jewish people have a genetic marker. I mean, I, I remember my mom would, would tell me while we were growing up, she believed that part of our family history came, we have Jewish people in our family line. And so I've always kind of believed that then, there might be some percentage in there somewhere. Um, and so a few years ago, we all decided to get our, to do that ancestry DNA thing, that, that thing, and we got checked. And this is, mine came up. Do, do we have it? This is my genetic history. 42% Nigerian, 23% Scottish. Now, originally it was Irish, but they changed it to Scotland. Uh, ben and Togo, which is in Africa, 10%. Cameroon, 7%. England, 6%, Ivory Coast, 5%, Wales, 4%, Germanic Europe, 1%, Spain, 1%, Portugal, 1%. To which I, so it's about 60, a little over 60 Africa descent and about a little over 30 European. But what don't we see up there? I said, Mama! <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even get 1%. <laughs> and so that family uh, history thing, myth, got blown up. There's no. Same thing happens <laughs> with what they told, you know, 
the revelation that they got in this book, they supposedly got it from some angel called Moroni. And after today, they could have just dropped the I and called it moron. But listen, <laughs> <laughs> tracing, the saying that these people came and they were, the Semitics are uh, connected to the, to the Jews. The Jews have a genetic marker. We know who's connected to Jews. My wife came back with hers. She's 100% European, over 50% Jewish, all right? And so there's a genetic marker. They've checked the DNA of the people that they claim were supposed to be Semitic, and there is not a drop of Jewish blood in them. In addition, they claim that these ancient, they had these ancient places that were built uh, all in different places in America. They went back and, and tried to find remains of these cities to dig, to dig them up. Not one piece of evidence has ever been unearthed where that book says they claim that these people were. Now, you go to Israel. I've been to Israel. You go to Egypt or Babylon or Rome. You know what you find? You find remains of cities all over the place, but nothing supporting the claims of what their Bible says. They, in fact, they have not just one holy book, supposedly. They have four holy books. The Book of Mormon, written by this Joseph fella. That's the, the, they have the Doctrine of the Covenants, written by the same guy. They have the Pearl of Great Price, a collection of smaller works. And they claim that they also revere the Holy Bible, their fourth holy book. But there's only one of those four books that they have considered has corruptions in it that needs qualifications in terms of accepting it. Which one do you think of those four books? <laughs> Boom! The Holy Bible is the only one that they claim needs correction. Even though all the others have had to be redone and revised because of obvious errors. Like the JWs, they've made several prophecies that didn't come to pass, now impossible to come to pass, one of which they predicted the return of Jesus on February 14th, 1891. This is what Joseph Smith, the prophet, said. It says, It will be of the Lord that those who went to Zion with the determination to lay down their lives, if necessary, should be ordained to the ministry and go forth to prune the vineyard for the last time, for the last time, because the coming of the Lord, which was night, even 56 years, should wind up the scene. Now, to, to tell you, that was in the History of the Church, Volume 2, page 182. Zion here refers to a place in America called Jackson County, Missouri. All right? Not to Israel. Uh, given the context in which this was said, they said from that moment on, he said, 56 years time frame would place the return of Jesus on or before February 14th, 1891. Well, that day came and went. It's been, a, what is it? Someone do the math for me. What's that, 130 years, 131 years? Still, uh, Jesus, no return. This is what the Bible says about people who will speak for God, claim that they speak for God. And what you should do, what I should do with that person. Now, listen, I'm not going to advocate doing that today, but this is what the scripture says. De Deuteronomy 18.20. But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded him to do, or a prophet who, who speaks in my name of other gods, must be put to death. This is Deuteronomy. You may say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord, help me somebody, does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously. Do not be afraid of him. In other words, if they're making prophecies that aren't happening, don't pay him much mind. Now, Deuteronomy 13 goes on to say, if a prophet or or one who foretells by dreams appears among you and announces to you a miraculous sign or wonder, and if the sign or wonder of which he has spoken takes place, takes place, and he says, let us follow other gods, gods that you have not known, and let us worship them, 
You must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer. Why? The Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart, with all your, with all your soul. Okay. So what, what's the greatest commandment? To love the Lord that God with all that heart, that soul, that mind. He's saying, okay, even if somebody comes in your midst and he gives a prophecy and it comes to pass. How many of you know even a broken clock is right twice a day, right? Let's just say it happens. And the end result is, okay, now it's happened. Now I'm telling you to go follow someone else. The Bible says do not do it. Why? He said, because the Lord your God is testing you to see if you love him. You understand? So there might be people coming on the scene, and the Bible talks about that, that in the last days, the Antichrist, that there will be miracles and and things that are going to happen. As the believer, we have to understand what the Word of God teaches because he's going to set himself up as the person, the divine person, to be worshipped, to worship another God. The Bible says, do not do it, even if the things that they are saying comes to pass. Amen? Now, I can touch on the fact that he claims to have received much of his revelation again from an angel called Moroni, causing him to write the Book of Mormon, which, by the way, is supposed to be a miraculous translation of an ancient document, translated by Joseph through these golden plates of divining stones that the angel Moroni supposedly gave him in 1827. Of all the outlandish claims, including polygamy, which which is what, multiple wives, that he claimed that God told him to, to do, to, to take on multiple wives. He reportedly had up to 40 wives, 40 celestial wives, which he gets sealed in the temple, done in the temple. You're sealed for all eternity. Supposedly, you cannot get into the highest heaven unless you are sealed with, uh, with these wives, uh, as you heard in the video. Now, contrary, and, and so they believe, and, you, you saw, and some of them dispute it, but the early, they believe that they're going to take their wives with them. They're going to end up with some, on some plane, let's say a planet somewhere. <laughs> they're going to become like God-like people, and they're going to be married and have their, their children sealed as well, in this relationship. Anyone watching Sister Wives? Anyone watch that one on TV or anything like that? The disaster that's happening among <laughs> that group? Um, they're having a very difficult time holding together their relationship because they're supposed to be... In the Mormon church, they said, we don't do it right because we, we say we're married until death do us part. They say they're married for all eternity. Now, which is contradictory to what Jesus said. Anybody remember the story in what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22? I'm going to read it to you. It says, that same day the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection. So there's a group of people who did not believe that they believed you just died and that was it. And so they're trying to confront Jesus. They say, they say there's no resurrection, came to him with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses told us that if a man dies without having children, and this was the system back then, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for him. Now, there were seven brothers among us. The first one married and died, and since he had no children, he left his wife to his brother. The second thing happened to the second and the third brother right on down to the seventh. So they all died. Finally, the woman dies, and this is their question. This is a hypothetical that they gave to Jesus. Now then, at the resurrection... Whose wife will she be of the seven, since all of them were married to her? Okay, good question, right? Jesus replied, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. At the resurrection, people, help me out somebody, will neither marry nor be given into marriage. Now, for some of you, this is good news, and some of you, it's not so good news, okay? You, you either marry or, or will you, you not be given into marriage, they will be like, help me, help me, like the angels in heaven. But about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. All these men had already passed, and he, he still identified himself 
I'm the God of Abraham, I'm the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. They had passed, but they were still in his presence. They were still very much alive. But understand what, what uh, the scripture te- taught, what Jesus himself said. He says, you are neither married nor are you given into marriage. You'd be like, the, I don't know what kind of system that God has up. The Bible says no man has seen or ear has heard what God has in store. The, the whole marriage thing was a great idea on this planet. One of God's better ideas. We're not, we're not sure, but I know it's going to be better. Whatever system he has set up in heaven is going to be better. But what I know will not happen is you're not going to stay married to one or 40 wives and end up on a planet somewhere as a god. Again, they believe, it goes on to say, when the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. Who is Jesus to them? Um, Jesus is, is a Christ. He's the Messiah. Uh, but he's also believed to be Satan's brother. Uh, the JWs believe that he was <laughs> uh, the archangel. The Mormons believe that he's the brother of Satan. Uh, probably most outlandish is how you're saved, okay? Uh, they have a different me- method of salvation, which brings, you've heard him mention, this fellow by the name of Brigham Young. He's the second president after, actually, Joseph. They ended up killing Joseph after, you know, he just kept taking wives. The people of the day ended up killing him. Um, second president of the church was, G- uh, was this fellow by the name of um, Brigham Young. 1847 until his death in 1877, founded Salt Lake City, served as the governor of Utah, of the United States, and he established Brigham Young University and the University of Utah. Now keep his picture up there. So the, the, Joseph had over 40 wives, or some, close to 40 wives. This guy had 56 wives. He had 57 children out from just 16 of his wives. So he obviously was a polygamist, which you're going to find in the Bible. Let's just be honest. You're going to find good people practicing it in the Bible. But it's what he said about polygamy which is most notable. And this is what he said. Brigham Young said that you are damned if you deny polygamy. Quote, now if any of you will deny the plurality of wives and continue to do so, I promise that you will be damned. Journal of Discourses, Volume 3, page 266. Also, the only men who become gods, big G, even the sons of God, are those who enter into polygamy. Now, how many? <laughs> if, if you know anything about the church's history, you know that they formally renounced it in 1890. Okay, so now you've got a, the next guy saying it's causing us nothing but problems in this country. God has changed his mind, <laughs> okay? And so the LDS church tried to put an end to, to, to it in 1890, which caused the church to split. Uh, and why would it split? Because their predecessor just taught them that you have to be a polygamist to go to heaven, and, and you're going to be damned if you deny it. The church splits. The largest LDS fundamental group declaring that Utah, the Utah-based the one that we see today, the Utah-based LDS church itself, they now declare that that church is apostate. They have now fallen away because they've renounced the doctrine of polygamy. Again, why? Uh, because it's central to their salvation. Now listen carefully to what he wrote. He says, I want, to, I want you to tell them and tell all the great men of the earth that the Latter-day Saints are to their Redeemer. Believe in God, listen, believe in Jesus, believe in Joseph, his prophet, and Brigham Young, his successor. And I add, if you believe in your hearts and confess with your mouth Jesus is the Christ and Joseph was a prophet and Brigham Young is his successor, you shall be saved in the kingdom of God. No man or woman in this dispensation will ever enter into the celestial kingdom of God without the consent of Joseph Smith. Every man and woman must have the certificate of Joseph Smith Jr. as a passport to the entrance into the mansions where God and Christ are. 
You want to know why it's considered a cult? That's why. Good people, sincere people, sincerely wrong. He reigns there as supreme, a being in his fair capacity, calling as God does in heaven. Brigham Young, Journal of Discourse, 6 229. So not only do you have to believe in plural wives according to their church forefathers and be sealed to the celestial wives in their church, marriages outside of their church are not recognized. You're not going to heaven. You have to be, it has to happen in their church. And it can't be until death do us part. It has to be until, you know, forever and ever. Or it does not count. Uh, in this church, you have to confess Jesus as Lord. You have to confess Joseph Smith as the prophet. And you have to confess Brigham Young in, in that order to be saved. Do you see the problem? Anybody seeing the problem here? I mean, notwithstanding the advertisement that you see on TV, and the, the, I'm not saying that you know, if I had to choose between a neighbor um, that's probably never going to steal from me or, <laughs> or anything along those lines, you know, then they're not going to do it. But notwithstanding their moral codes, they don't, you know, drink coffee. They don't do There's a lot of stuff they don't do. Um, at their core, the foundation of their faith is a different gospel than what Paul and the apostles and even Jesus taught. Let me give you another one. Thomas Monson, he was the first president stated, presidency stated. This is what he says. It is the celestial glory which we seek. It is in the presence of God we desire to dwell. It is a forever family. That's what they call the sealed marriages. They're forever family in which we want membership, such blessings must be earned. A person's eternal destination depends on individual efforts here on this earth. Goes on to say, every person will inherit a glory of salvation which will be the one that he has earned. In addition, there's a list of things that you have to do to earn their salvation in their church, including paying 10% of your income. Could you imagine that if the tithe was a requirement for going to heaven in their church uh, or in the, in the churches at large? When we said what the average Christian gives about 2.3%. In their church, you ain't making it to heaven based on that because it's a works-based religion. Sincere, but sincerely wrong. Now, contrast all that with what the Bible actually says, what we believe, and we'll start to see how the scriptures were being twisted. We believe, again, write this down, no general apostasy, Jesus said in Matthew 28, 20, and, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the earth. The earth. There's some 5,700 transcripts, ancient transcripts uh, from that time that we can see that the scriptures have not changed. There's been no falling away taking place. Uh, you, can, you can check this stuff, all right? Matthew 16, 18 says, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will bear my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Secondly, there are no other books required. How I many you know you don't need three or four different books to interpret the Bible? You can get there just from reading the Bible. Amen? 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, Correcting and training in righteousness. Isaiah 48 says, The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God stands forever. 
And Isaiah 55, 11 says, So is my word that goes out from my mouth. I will not, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You do not need any other book to understand Christianity except the Holy Bible. All right? Lastly, <laughs> there is no other name needed under heaven to which we are required to be saved. Acts 4.10 through 12 says, Then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Joseph Smith. Help me out, somebody. Brigham Young, help me, please. What does it say? At the name of, help me, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed, he is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. The moment they say Jesus and, as opposed to Jesus only, you are in a cult. You are practicing a different gospel. It's only through Jesus that men are saved. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourself. It is a, help me someone. Do you earn a gift? <laughs> when you gave out your presents on Christmas Sunday and you gave it to your family and your friends, did you require them to pay you for those gifts? The moment you pay for the gifts is no longer a gift. You have had to earn it. The Bible says you cannot earn it. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. There will be no boasting in heaven. No one's going to say, Again, God, you are so lucky to have me up here based on all the good things that I've done. You are not saved by your works. You're saved to a work. There is a difference. There's a calling that God has for each and every one of us, a purpose on this planet. We're not just put here to sit but we're here to serve Jesus said the greatest of you will serve but has nothing to do with salvation Jesus did all the work required he did all the heavy lifting that's required in order for us to enter into heaven he said on the cross when he spilled that last drop of blood before he breathed his last he said it is finished all the righteous requirements of the law was paid for in that one sacrifice to redeem all of mankind if they would repent and turn and trust in him. There's enough blood shed to save the entire world, but that doesn't mean the entire world is going to follow because of pride, because of whatever distractions, but it's only by grace through faith that we are saved. Acts 16, 31. Read it out loud with me. One, two, three. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Again, the Mormons have a list of other requirements in order to be saved, which puts that religion in the works category, like the JWs. True Christianity says we cannot save ourselves. It's 100% the work of Christ and Him alone. All we are required to do is to repent and believe. Folks, if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. Know what you believe and why you believe it. Amen? As we come to a close this morning, Jesus said, the scripture says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And I believe that Jesus, even through this teaching, has been exalted. 
and that he's been tugging at your hearts, at your heartstrings, those who are listening online. In order to be saved, you don't have to. <laughs> I, said, I said to the Bible study, he couldn't have made it any easier. God could not have made it any easier. If, if he required us, what if he said, in order for you to be saved, I require you all to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. How many of us would just be lost? You, can't, you need the money to get there. Once you get there, can you physically climb the mountain? I, I, tell, I told him as a joke, maybe before COVID, I might, I might have been able to get halfway up the mountain. Maybe, maybe. But now, <laughs> you know, I am so glad it's not by works, but it's by the grace of God. It's, we don't have to come to him. He came to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And, he, and all he asks us is to repent. That means stop trying to work at it yourself and put your trust completely in the finished work of Calvary in Jesus Christ. There is no other name under heaven by which men might be saved. It's at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that he's Lord. If you've not yet committed your life to Christ and put your trust in him, it would be my, pri my privilege and my honor to lead you in a prayer of commitment to him. Let's everyone bow, to, bow our heads, close our eyes, and say something like this. Say, Heavenly Father, I acknowledge that I am a sinner and I cannot save myself. I ask you to forgive me for my sins, to come into my life and to come into my heart by way of your Holy Spirit. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and the only way to heaven. And today, I confess my complete faith and trust in him and what you've done through him for my salvation. Thank you for sending him to die for my sins and three days later rise from the dead. And because he lives, your promise to me is that we shall live as well. I completely surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name I pray. And we all said, Amen. And let me challenge you that if you prayed that prayer in earnest on the authority of God's word, the Bible says, in that moment, you become born again. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.